Chapter 1, Excelsior My sisters and I stepped through the doorway, and we gasped in unison. Somehow, my sisters, Bubbles and Buttercup, convinced me to go to that filthy prison that they called fun. Ever since we were five, my sisters and I have always loved dancing, and couldn't wait until we were older so we could go out at night. Even Bubbles did, even though she was a bit afraid of the dark, more like a lot, but that's not the point. We just recently turned sixteen, and we were finally allowed to go out at night, other than crime fighting, that is. I guess since that place was the only place we could go, well, there we were. It was called Electric Blue, and it was a teen club for teens ages 15 to 19. The night was our first night out in Townsville, and the first time we saw Electric Blue on the inside. We had flown past it many times, but we had never been inside. Now, I dubiously admitted to myself, even though I'm still kind of suspicious of this place, I'm actually kind of excited. I never told Buttercup or Bubbles this, but I really loved dancing. Other than playing guitar and brushing up on my German and Dutch, it was one of my favorite things to do. I tried to keep it to myself mostly, because people usually say, dancing. But you're the smart one, and it got pretty annoying. I didn't know why I loved it, I just did. I couldn't explain it. When I heard the music pulsating, the beat pulsing in my veins, it took over my body and nobody was around me. I got absolutely lost in it. Even though I didn't even want to be there, it actually seemed pretty cool. Strobe lights were flashing, glow sticks could be seen everywhere, and the dance floor was huge. In fact, it was filled with teens already dancing. There was a soda bar on the east wall, while there were tables and chairs near the west wall. In front of me, Bubbles squealed almost uncontrollably, clapping her hands together excitedly, and Buttercup just stood still, arms folded, her eyes roaming the one-story building with a wide, satisfied smirk. As if there had been some silent signal that went off, both of my sisters took off in different directions, Buttercup heading to the bar, and Bubbles to the dance floor. I smiled silently at their departing figures. Earlier, we had all taken quite some time picking out our outfits, well, Bubbles and I anyway. Bubbles had on a blue lace, strapless, mini dress with a wide, black ribbon across her ribs. She paired it with shimmering, white pumps and pearls. The long pearl necklace she had on was wrapped around her neck a few times in elegant layers, and the rest hung to her stomach. She had her usual pigtails, but she had let her hair grow out quite long over the years, and their length was down to her elbows. Also, for that night, she curled the ends of the pigtails into ringlets. As for makeup, she had on sparkling black mascara, slick, frosted white eyeshadow and clear lip gloss. She looked stunning, and I knew the guys would be all over her in a second. Buttercup, who was already at the bar, chugging coke quite unfemininely, had on a black and apple green lace corset with ripped and frayed black tights and a plaid pale green miniskirt over it. A few chains hung from the miniskirt, and she had black Chuck Taylor high tops on. She also had on stretchy black arm warmers with holes in them. For her hair, it was still short, choppy and a little bit past her chin, but for tonight she slicked it partway up with a big poof in the front to make it look almost like a half pony hawk. She had silver dangle skull earrings in her ears and, on her eyes, heavy black eye makeup, complete with extra black mascara, extra black eyeshadow, 
and extra black liquid eyeliner that made her intense green eyes smolder. As rebellious as she looks, she has a gooey inside, like an ice cream sandwich, she's just kind of rough around the edges. She hates to talk about her gooey side though, so she scarcely has. For a moment, I almost followed Bubbles onto the dance floor, but I caught myself. Easy, Blossom. The last thing you want to do is reveal your secret from your sisters here. My conscience said. That could be troublesome. I sighed and decided the place for me right then was those tables and chairs. As I made my way to that side of the building, the people around me that stood talking to their friends stopped their conversations abruptly. I felt everyone's eyes on me, watching my every move, looking me up and down. Even though music was blaring through the speakers, it felt as if the silence from them was deafening. I wondered, why is everyone staring? Do I stand out too much? Of course, I knew I was a superhuman teenager made out of Chemical X to save Townsville every day, but did they really have to stare? It was unnerving. Is it what I'm wearing? I was wearing a fitted, pink lace, yes, we had planned the whole lace thing, spaghetti string camisole with a white jean, slightly faded, mini skirt. I also wore the white leather knee, high stiletto heeled boots bubbles made me wear, I had no choice, it was either that or the combat boots buttercup chose. I wore a pink choker necklace around my neck, and I had a pink ribbon in my hair instead of my usual red one. My hair was in a half ponytail, and I had used a moderation of black mascara with shimmery magenta lip gloss. Personally, I thought my outfit was fine, unless they really didn't like pink. I ignored the stairs and finally found an empty table and sat down. Curiosity finally got to me, so I dug a compact mirror from my pink leather bag and checked myself. Nothing in my teeth, nothing on my face. I shut my eyes in. Frustration, feeling the stress line on my forehead appear. I then closed my compact. Oh well, I thought, opening my eyes again, shaking off my annoyance. My eyes scanned the room carefully again, this was something I had learned in battles. A song with a fast tempo was on, and the other teens on the dance floor were quite fast moving as well. I suddenly spotted Princess, a childhood acquaintance, I wouldn't call her a friend. Ever, of ours, capturing another one of her boy toys in her claws of death. By the expression on the poor guy's face, you'd think he was going to go meet his maker. Princess had always been extremely spoiled, thus her name. Her spiral curled, probably permed, fire engine red hair had always been, as a child, in two afro puffs on either side of her head, with a tiara in the middle. Now that she had decided to straighten her hair again, it was long, and it fell to her waist. It sounded beautiful, sure, but she overprocessed it, and each strand looked ragged and worn. Even so, she kept her trademark tiara. She was wearing her usual purple ensemble, but tonight it was a very low-cut v-neck tank top, a gold choker necklace, and a purple metallic micromini skirt that was so short, it could be worn as a belt. The teen queen led him into some sort of dirty dance that left me cringing and shaking my head. I suddenly decided to turn my attention somewhere else when he turned a vibrant tomato red all the way up to his scalp. I found my green-eyed sister, and as I watched her ward off jocks flirting madly with her, my vision was blocked. It took me another moment to realize there was someone standing in front of me. 
I looked up at the face of the mystery person and my eyes involuntarily widened. Two nervous-looking brown-haired boys, maybe twins, stood in front of me. Both had a deep side part and Gel was unsuccessfully smoothing their tresses down. They both had pocket protectors. Thick glasses and autograph books. They were also both breathing heavily and were wide-eyed as well. I attempted to break the silence. Uh, dash, but I was interrupted immediately by one of the boys whipping out an industrial-sized inhaler. He squeezed the top and inhaled in raggedly. The other boy turned slowly to face his companion, then glared at him. William, he said in an annoyed tone. William shrugged slightly. The other sighed a heavy sigh and turned back to me. Greetings, he chirped, suddenly cheerful. I'm Gregory and this is my brother William. He paused, pointing to William, who smiled again nervously. We are very big fans of yours and are fascinated by your interest in science, technology, and worldly affairs. Gregory looked nervous as well, because when he smiled his eye twitched slightly. May we have your autograph please? William blurted out manically. Gregory turned to him once again. His tone was almost comically impatient. William. What? You weren't getting to the point. William defended in a juvenile manner, and I started to wonder if they were even old enough to be here. I told you before, and I'll tell you again, make her happy, and then the autographs, then we get the sexy female life form. Whoa, life form. I thought, staring at them incredulously. These guys were too creepy. And, sexy. What the hell? But that takes too long, whined William. Well, according to my studies, it works every T.I. dash. Sure. I blurted out, interrupting their little brawl. They both froze in place at the sound of my voice. You can have my autograph. They both turned to me, excitement slowly growing on their faces. Ah uh oh. Excelsior. Gregory and William cried in unison, their voices breaking in the same spot. Everybody turned to look in our direction, mostly at me. Again. I swiftly grabbed William's autograph book before they could have another outburst, and before I could write anything, he suddenly said, please put yours next to Luke Skywalker's. I blinked at him for a moment. Was this a prank? I signed my name where he wanted me to, then signed Gregory's book in the same place, then picked up my purse. Excuse me, I said politely with a pleasant smile on my face, then I got up to leave while they continued their fight. I have to get out of here. I thought, walking quickly away from that accursed table. Where are Bubbles and Buttercup? I carefully made my way towards Buttercup, who had finally started a conversation with some biker. As I observed, I noticed she was even flirting with him. I didn't want to interrupt, especially since she brushes most guys off, but this was important. As I inched closer to her, she felt my presence and turned around slowly. She sighed exasperatedly. What, Blossom? Can't you see I'm busy, she said impatiently. The biker guy that she had been talking to scoffed. Blossom. Wait, are you one of those Powerpuff girls, he asked Buttercup with his arms folded. The movement made his sunglasses slip ever so slightly. Why was he wearing sunglasses inside the building in the first place? 
What a tool. What gave you the first clue? I thought, and I rolled my eyes. Oh, how I disliked clueless men. He scoffed again, not waiting for our answer. Forget it. I'm out of here. And with that, he walked away, his shoulders squared all macho. Buttercup turned back to me, her lips pursed together tightly. Are you happy now? She glared at me. What's the freaking deal? I cringed. I'm sorry Buttercup, it's just that those weird guys were flirting with me, I pointed back at Gregory and William, who currently had freakish stalker-like expressions on their faces. And they are really starting to freak me out. They'd been following me everywhere, and everyone was staring at me, and I kind of want a Leah dash, I got interrupted by Buttercup's hand forced over my mouth. Blossom, she said calmly. Calm the hell down. But dash, I mumbled under her hand, but failed. She shook her head. Look, Bloss, of course they're going to look, she stated simply. At this, she raised her eyebrows at me. We're superheroes. I know, but dash, I started again, which received a dull warning glare from her. Also, welcome to the club, she roughly jabbed a finger over her shoulder to the hopeful-looking group of guys she had turned down earlier. She whirled around to face them. Get lost. She shouted. The death glare on her face was ferocious. They scampered away like a group of scolded puppies, complete with whimpering. She turned back to me. See what I've had to deal with, she stated, raising her eyebrows. But I just ignored it. It's no big deal. We're not leaving yet, we just got here. I sighed. She was right, I wasn't really giving it a chance. Okay, I replied with a smile. Thanks. She smiled back and patted my shoulder. Not a problem. Hey, I'm heading to the dance floor, she waved and called, catch you later, over her shoulder, then set off to the dance floor, hips swiveling and arms flailing the whole way. I smiled again and sat down on one of the bar stools. Buttercup was right, I just had to relax. This was not a big deal. Teenagers came here all the time, this was totally normal. As I said this to myself mentally, I felt my shoulder muscles relax gradually. There we go. There was nothing to worry about. And honestly, what was the worst that could happen at a teen club? Tonight would be cake. I'll have berries and cream Dr. Pepper, please. I said to the nice-looking boy behind the counter. He slid a glass full of the bubbly beverage across the marble counter, and I caught it, taking a thorough sip. I spun around on the bar stool and squinted my eyes in search of my blonde sister. I finally found her a few moments later, and she was directly under the disco ball, her body exactly matching the pulsating beat. She seemed to be having a blast. I wished I could join her, but I knew I had to keep my secret. This was something I actually had to myself, and revealing it right there would not have been, good. I could see the dramatic moment playing out in my head already. Blossom, how come you never told us this? Bubbles would ask in her slight valley girl-like voice, although it was still slightly squeaky, even after maturing over the years. Yeah, I can't believe you. I thought we were family. Buttercup would bellow in her ear-piercing shout. Whatever happened to telling us everything, Blossom?
Bubbles would ask again. Betrayed tears formed at the corners of her eyes. She would turn away from me in shame. Yeah, Blossom. Buttercup would chime in again, her forehead furrowed deeply. And what about me, your wonderful and loving father? Professor would exclaim accusingly, and where he would come from suddenly, I had no clue. Professor would shake his head in unison with Bubbles and Buttercup, and then they would all hang their heads in disappointment. Just as I was getting to the part where they would sign the disowning papers, I woke up to reality, realizing that someone was standing in front of me, again. Just as I thought it was the Stalker twins once more, I looked up and was pleasantly surprised. Chapter 2, Unwanted Guests Arrive Inwardly, I sighed in relief. This time, it was just one person, and they were dressed pretty nice, so obviously it wasn't the twins. I looked up at their faces to find them smiling at me. Whoa! This is much better. I thought, and I also threw in a reminder to breathe. An extremely good-looking boy now stood in front of me. His short, chocolate-brown hair complemented his light tan skin, and his clear blue eyes. Looked stunning, even with neon lights flashing everywhere. He also had extremely white teeth, which he was flashing at me at the moment. Blossom, right? he asked, holding out his hand in a friendly way. I nodded dumbly, amazed that a guy this good-looking was talking to me, which was so unlike me, but what can I say? Hot guys are my weakness, and shook his hand. I'm Richard, but you can call me Richie, he replied, flashing me one of those incredible smiles again. I felt my cheeks flush as I returned his smile. I thought to myself, this place just got ten times better. We both sat down at a table together. Once I really warmed up to him, Richie and I talked for quite a while, and we had gotten to know each other a little more. He played football at his private high school, but his favorite subject was science. What I was really impressed with was that he got his school's honor roll every semester, and his IQ was 125. Yeah, extremely impressive. And not only was he smart, but he had great looks. I had just begun thinking I had found my soulmate, when suddenly, I saw Buttercup and Bubbles rushing over to me. Just a moment, Richie, I said apologetically, giving him a small smile. He shrugged and smiled another amazing smile. I stood up from my chair, turned to Buttercup and Bubbles and they led me to a more private place where we could talk. As soon as we got there I gave them an annoyed scowl. This had better be good, you guys. I told them sternly. I watched their faces, Bubbles' eyes were extremely wide with anxiety, and Buttercup had a concerned frown on her face. You're not going to believe this. Bubbles cried, and the panic in her tone made it even more evident to me that she was panicking. Yeah, look over there. Buttercup finished, pointing over towards the entrance. Her tone wasn't as panicky, it was more agitated. It was hard to see over people's heads, it was so crowded. I stepped a little over to the right, then to the left, and squinted my eyes to see through all the commotion. There was a crowd of people in one particular spot, but nothing really out of the ordinary. I looked back at them, raised my eyebrows and shrugged. I don't see anything, I replied simply. At this, they both sighed impatiently. Well, look again. They shouted this in unison, and a few people that were nearby turned to look at them.
I started at their sudden outburst, but then obediently turned to face the entrance again. I focused on the entrance. Finally, some of the people who were crowding the area shifted, revealing the center of attention. Their backs were to me, and all I could make out was a blonde-haired boy, a boy with dark hair and a red-headed boy. I recognized that hair anywhere. My jaw dropped. The rowdy rough boys? I exclaimed, looking at my sisters again. They nodded solemnly. I groaned out loud. No. But, why? When did they get here? I tripped over my words, and I double-checked back at the entrance to make sure that I saw what I saw. Sure enough, they were still standing there, chatting it up with whoever was in front of them. They just got here, Bubbles replied, nervously tugging on the ends of her pigtails. Yup. And, who knows why they're here? Most likely to cause trouble. And who knows how much trouble? Buttercup said, folding her arms. She pursed her lips together tightly before speaking up again. But they haven't noticed us yet, so maybe if we stay low, they'll leave us alone. Bubbles and I looked at her with shocked expressions, but we both knew she had been looking forward to this since we were little, and she wasn't about to give this night up to fight those idiots. Besides, we weren't dressed to fight right now anyway. Ever since the Rowdy Rough Boys had first come back after we destroyed them a long time ago, they had been giving us all sorts of trouble. They had even gotten ten times more dangerous. With age, they become stronger, more powerful. But for all their chaotic potential, they sure didn't utilize it as much as they could've. Usually, if Mojo wasn't giving them some sort of order, they would lie low. However, lately, they have been causing little crimes all across town, right as we're doing something important. Just for the sake of ticking us off. It was really working, and we were already sick of them in the first place. I sighed. Fine. But, I paused, my face growing serious again, if any of them try to hurt anyone innocent here, we're going to step in. No exceptions. My sisters nodded in agreement, and we all carefully set off to go back to what we were doing before. I made my way back to the table Richie was sitting at before, but as I neared, I didn't see anyone sitting there. I glanced around at the other available tables, but I didn't see him there either. Richie. I called. I looked around for him, continuing my search, but when I finally found him, I felt my heart sink. He was holding some other girl against the wall intimately, and they were kissing passionately. They were so busy, they didn't even notice my presence. I sighed, feeling not only insulted, but also slightly disappointed. Well, it wasn't like we were dating or anything. It's not even like he had asked me out. I thought. Oh well, so much for a great night. Deciding to go back to the table I was at before, after making sure Gregory and William were nowhere to be seen, I sat down once again, resting my chin in my hands. I stayed there for a while, observing the crowd, when I noticed that the rowdy rough boys were slowly making their way over to where I was. They didn't see me, but they were nearing dangerously close. Uh oh, I thought, yanking up my purse. I jumped up from the table, and I looked at my options. Either go onto the dance floor and risk revealing my secret, or go to the soda bar where Bubbles currently was. Deciding that walking there would take too long, I flew over to the soda bar. Bubbles and I hung out together at the bar, 
talking animatedly about some girls at our school, while Bubbles sipped on her vanilla milkshake. I had finished up another Dr. Pepper, and now we were laughing hard about something Bubbles had said. When we finally calmed down, Bubbles spoke up. My stomach hurts, she said, wiping a tear from her eye. Mine does too, I chuckled a little bit more, and then remembering that my stomach muscles were sore, I stopped abruptly. After a brief pause, I spoke up again in a hushed tone. So, have they noticed you yet? I began to absentmindedly run my fingers through my hair. Bubbles half shrugged. Almost. She trailed off, and she bit the end of her straw. I nodded for her to continue. Well, Boomer kind of glanced at me, but I don't think he recognized me. I nodded again. It was probably because of all the makeup, she had never worn that much before. Well that's good, that he didn't recognize you I mean. I replied. Then I paused as I realized something. Hey, where's Buttercup? Bubbles swiveled her chair around, searching for her, then faced me again. I don't know. She's probably dancing again. She smiled at me reassuringly. I smiled back reluctantly. Bubbles noticed this and her smile faded into worry. Let's go find her, she said, getting up from her seat. I nodded in agreement and stood up with her. I fiddled intently with my tangled purse straps as my feet shuffled forward, and in my distraction, I bumped into the back of someone. Someone very tall, I might add, which explains why I fell hard on my butt. Bubbles helped me up as I rubbed my sore butt. Sorry about that, I mumbled to the person's back, looking straight down to my feet. How embarrassing. The person turned around, and Bubbles gasped suddenly. I looked at Bubbles, cocking an eyebrow. What was her problem? Then, when I glanced up at the stranger I bumped into, I saw a shock of long red hair. I gasped also and backed up a few steps. I was staring at, you guessed it, Brick Jojo. Directly in the face. I was face to face with the leader of the Rowdy Rough Boys. Brick was dressed in his usual casual type of garbred shirt, jeans and red beanie. It was almost like he didn't even know where he'd be going when he'd gotten dressed this evening. He looked me up and down with that stupid smug look on his face. Well, look who it is. Hey, honey. Can't stay away from me, can you? A toothpick hung from his lip as he talked. He sauntered closer to me. Closing the remaining space between us. As always, his shoulders rolled arrogantly as he walked. I snorted as if his sudden appearance hadn't affected me at all, rolled my eyes, and shoved past him with bubbles clinging to my arm. Let's get out of here, I said to my sister, glaring at him as we passed. We walked quickly away. Far behind us, I heard his voice again. Hey Pinky, where are you going? Now we definitely have to find Buttercup. Bubbles said under her breath anxiously. I nodded, and we started walking faster so we'd lose him in the crowd. What? Buttercup thundered, throwing her hands up in the air. She let them fall to her sides with an exasperated sigh. She scratched the side of her head, frustrated. Great. I guess we'll need a plan B, then. We always end up needing one, Bubbles added, chuckling a bit.
I smiled sheepishly at her. No kidding, I replied. My smile dropped, becoming serious once again, and I said, I say we avoid them the best we can, and if they are persistent, use force by any means necessary. My eyebrows rose. If you need to use force with them, make sure there are no civilians too close to you. We don't want to hurt anyone. Bubbles and Buttercup nodded in agreement, and we all split up again, promising we would contact each other by text or call if anything else happened. Deciding that there was nothing left to do, I started to walk towards my lone table once again. Just when I was about halfway there, I felt my phone vibrating on my hip. Something already? I thought. I grasped my pink phone and answered it. What's wrong? I said immediately into the phone. On the other end I heard Bubbles' desperate voice. Blossom, she exclaimed, breathing heavily, like she had just run somewhere. Running was no problem for us though, so obviously she was anxious about something. Middle of the dance floor, under the disco ball. Look, now. I whirled around to look over towards the area she was talking about, and started, almost dropping my phone to the hard linoleum floor. The rowdy rough boys had very serious and sullen expressions on their faces, floating just under the disco ball. Their eyes scanned the whole building carefully and critically, as if they were looking for something. What are they doing? My voice was just above a whisper. I overheard them, and I think they're looking for us. I gasped as they started to look my way. Oh, crap. I exclaimed, quickly looking for something to duck behind. Got to go. I told Bubbles and hung up before she could say anything. I looked around desperately, and decided the closest thing was a nearby table. I dove under it, and after a few moments, I peeked over the top. It wasn't until then that I realized a couple was sitting there. They stared down at me like I had grown a third eye. Huh, so, how's your evening going? I said to them quite uneasily, you could cut the awkwardness with a knife. I scratched the back of my head. They still continued to scowl at me as they walked away. Sorry about that. I called after them, and when I realized I had shouted much too loud, I ducked under the table again. As soon as I did, I shook my head. What the hell am I doing? I thought. I am a Powerpuff Girl. A superheroine. Superheroines do not run and hide from their enemies. Especially not someone. As idiotic and pathetic as the rowdy rough boys. So what if there are arch rivals? I mentally kicked myself for hiding in the first place, crawled out from underneath the table, and stood up. I'm not going to hide anymore. I pulled up my bra strap that had fallen down, tugged on the bottom of my camisole and smoothed my skirt. For some reason, suddenly I got the skin-crawling feeling of someone watching me. I glanced around to see if somebody really was, or if I was just being paranoid. Then I spotted Brick, still in his position under the disco ball. His blood-red eyes were bearing into my pink ones as evenly as if he had been standing right in front of me. The intimate feeling of locking eyes with him threw me off, but something else seemed strange to me. He wasn't frowning or anything. He was just openly staring, unashamed. It felt odd. I snapped out of the strange gaze, frowning warily and turning away, not caring if he kept staring. 
I was more concerned about whether his brothers had spotted my sisters as well. I should go see if they're okay. I thought. I paced quickly towards the bar, ducking behind as many tall people as I could. When I made it to the bar, I spun around to look back at the disco ball again. The space underneath was empty. The brothers were all gone. What, but, how? They were just there. Where? I wondered, backing away from the bar. I stared at the disco ball, making sure my eyes weren't trying to fool me. After a few steps, I bumped into someone behind me. I turned around, but I didn't tear my eyes from the disco ball in case they reappeared. I began to apologize. Oh. Sorry about the, my words faded into a startled scream when my eyes turned forward to find the owner of those intense red eyes standing yet again right in front of me. Chapter 3, Busted. I stared at him, completely rigid. I waited for his reaction, anticipating punches if necessary. At first, he stared back at me with a strange expression I couldn't read. I watched his eyes in curiosity, but his expression left quickly and a smart-ass smirk appeared in its place. My curious expression turned to a glare. And what are you staring at? I demanded, and made my voice as demeaning as I could make it sound. He shrunk back, not in fear, but in defense. His smirk went crooked. Hey to you too, Brick said. His voice had a playful lilt to it. You look thirsty. Want to get a drink? I blinked numerous times, and my sneer faded off my face. I tried to fathom what he had said, processing his words in my mind over and over. What in the world did he just say to me? I honestly couldn't believe it, and for a moment I thought I imagined it. But then again, why would I imagine that in the first place? I, uh. My voice trailed off, my throat clogged with shock and bewilderment. He is so up to something. I thought. I won't fall for whatever his ruse may be. Um, okay. My mouth opened, and I heard those words come out, but I didn't know why I said it. Wait, what? What are you doing? It's obviously a trap, Blossom, what the hell are you thinking? My conscience screamed at me. I knew my conscience was right. Of course it was right. My entire mind agreed with my conscience, with a fiery passion, it agreed. But my eyes drank in the angular features of his face, his gleaming, red hair, and his lips, twisted into a friendly smile. Friendly, not sinister. He stretched out. A masculine, large hand toward me, taking my hand in his. The moment our skin touched, a foggy haze took over my brain, separating my conscience and rational thoughts from my command center. For some reason, my body wouldn't listen. My mind and body were always connected, that was never a problem for me. So, why was it suddenly a problem, now? He tugged on my hand lightly and led me to the bar. I stared down at my hand in his, limp and frozen as if it couldn't believe what was happening either. Someone on my left jostled me. For a moment, the haze between my brain and my body faltered. Um, no, my mind was raging. I snatched my hand harshly away from Brick's grasp, my teeth clenched. This startled him, and he glanced over his shoulder, his eyebrows raised. I can walk myself there, thank you. 
I sneered again, and I tossed my hair over my shoulder. He shrugged nonchalantly. Okay then, he replied, and continued walking towards the bar. I stared at his retreating back in disbelief. No insult, no returning glare, who was this? What the hell was going on? He sat down on one of the bar stools. I continued to watch him. Not that sitting down was a strange thing to do, but watching him, a rowdy rough boy, being so laid back and so non-threatening was just too strange. I hesitantly sat next to him, rubbing my forearms awkwardly. I looked away from him for a moment. What could he be planning? I racked my brain for ideas, but after an entire two minutes of thinking, I only had a few. Ideas. They were too predictable, though, and the rowdy rough boys weren't always predictable. Of course, when they were younger, they were predictable. They mostly stole things from the candy store, the bank, or the toy store. Now, every once in a while, they would steal from the electronics store, but the owner or cashier wouldn't notice until it was too late for us to do anything. They also robbed other small places to, like I said earlier, get on our nerves. More recently, they did things planned by Mojo or him, or the combination of them both. Maybe this was one of their schemes. Yeah, that would explain why I couldn't figure it out. Or maybe, it was someone new altogether. I felt the line between my eyebrows appear. What could they be up to? I suddenly remembered I wasn't alone. With a jolt, I glanced over at him, only to find him staring at me for the third time that night. All of that staring was beginning to creep me out. What was his problem? I watched him back, and he didn't seem to notice. This time, he didn't stare into my eyes. His intense red gaze washed over my body, and he looked like he was deep in thought. Either that, or he just plain stared shamelessly. I rolled my eyes. Pig. I folded my arms over my bust, clearing my throat loudly and deliberately. His eyes snapped to mine again, and he broke the awkward silence. So, are you gonna order or what? His voice went back to the rude tone it had earlier that evening, and his face went back to that smart-ass expression. I rested my elbows on the bar table, turning away from him in disdain. Hearing that tone seep back to the surface hadn't surprised me at all. It was to be expected. I knew he would have screwed up this plan, it wouldn't have been the first time. He always let his anger get in the way in battles, and this wouldn't be any different. Yeah, I replied smugly. The look on my face hadn't phased him, because he just nodded and glanced at the boy behind the counter. My smirk faded again. Dr. Pepper, Brick told him, and the boy nodded once in response. I raised my eyebrows at this revelation. What were the odds of us both ordering the same soda? I shrugged the thought away shaking my head. The odds were relatively high actually, they didn't have that many choices of soda there. Just a stupid coincidence. The bartender looked at me. I opened my mouth to say what I wanted, but the bartender said it for me. Berries and cream Dr. Pepper. He said this with a bright smile, his green eyes crinkled at the edges. I couldn't help but smile back at his charm. At least he was the second good-looking guy to flirt with me that night. It made up for the twins earlier. Yes, thank you. I said politely, fiddling with a piece of hair that found its way over my shoulder again.
I felt Brick watching us, but I didn't give a crap. No problem, he leaned on the other side of the counter. Let me know if you need anything else. And with a quick wink, he turned to get our drinks. I glanced over at Brick, and he was turned around on his bar stool. From what I could see of his face, he seemed to be scowling. I decided that this was my chance. I yanked out my cell phone to send a text message to Bubbles and Buttercup. I had started to type the words, you guys, I got caught with Brick. He totally found me. Are you guys dash, when suddenly I got interrupted by you know whose voice. What are you doing? I peeked up from my message and saw Brick looking at me curiously. However, in my current overly paranoid, I just got caught stealing cookies from the cookie jar mind, it seemed like an accusatory glance. Crap. I thought. If I tell him about my text, he'll read over my shoulder, and then he'll probably dash, I cut off the flow of my own thoughts as they took a ridiculous, even more paranoid turn. Just, uh, playing a game. I said, and I quickly snapped my phone shut. Just as I did, the bartender slid our drinks across the smooth counter to us. The liquid inside of them sloshed dangerously close to the edge of the glass. Brick eyed the bartender, in a way that seemed friendly at first, then as I read deeper into his expression, it turned somewhat hostile. Thanks, dude. Brick said in a low voice, and took a huge gulp of his soda. The bartender looked at Brick, then me, and backed away slowly. I was too busy being completely shocked to particularly care that Brick had scared off my latest admirer. Had he just thanked someone? It was a hesitant thank you, and maybe somewhat vaguely threatening, but appreciation nonetheless. Did my ears deceive me? Soon, my amazement melted to suspicion again. I was seething with suspicion now. Just what kind of plot was this? I went over the mismatched pieces of the puzzle. First, this plan included asking me if I wanted a drink. Second, this plan also included being nice to normal people that he shouldn't even care about. Third, this plan included, coming to a teen club. It didn't make sense at all. I stared Brick down again, my eyebrows furrowed even more. I was going to get him to let go of this stupid ruse, to confess to it. He felt the intensity of my gaze and faced me. He started as he got an eyeful of my expression. What? He'd asked this innocently. Bull. I said nothing and kept my eyebrows angled downward sharply. I was going to make him give this up. Why hadn't he cracked already? He sighed and set his glass down with more force than necessary, and it made a loud clunk. Look, Blossom, you don't need to be suspicious or anything. I looked at him like had grown a second nose. I chose to ignore the fact that he'd used my real name, which he rarely did. And why not? I didn't even feel the need to ask the question, but I did anyway. He seemed exasperated at this question, and I suddenly felt stupid to ask it, as if I had asked him what the color of the sky was. My brothers and I came here to have fun. That's it, okay? Suddenly, I was angry. Do you think I'm some kind of idiot? I stood from my seat as I shouted this, and he was taken aback. What do you mean? His eyes were wide. It made me angrier. Oh, you know what the hell I mean. Just stop it, okay? I grit my teeth together. 
do you seriously think I would fall for that? I was no idiot. He had the audacity to think I could fall for some sort of dim-witted, completely childish plan to take us down. I was completely appalled. Whoa, whoa, he stood as well, defensive. Chill out. I swear, this isn't some destroy the Powerpuff Girls plan. If it was, it would be an amazingly pathetic one. He raised his eyebrows. I know you wouldn't have fallen for that anyway, you're too intelligent. My eyebrows rose. I froze. He had left me taken aback once again. Had he just complimented me? And, more importantly, he'd read me, as if he read my mind or something along those lines. How? It was weird that he'd so easily followed my line of thinking, but I tried my best to brush it off. I shook my head. I would not give in. But, I could humor him. And maybe then I could find out his actual plan later on. I squinted my eyes at him and folded my arms. You're not lying. Brick nodded earnestly. So, can we at least be cool tonight? Put the dukes away and just chill. He asked me, smiling cheekily. I smiled back, but not for the reason he thought. I couldn't believe he actually thought I would fall for it so easily. I pretended to reluctantly agree. As long as you're not lying to me, then, all right. Sure. I lied, tucking a loose lock of red hair behind my ear. With him thinking that my guard was down, it would be easier getting the truth out of him now. He smiled a wider, satisfied smile, then proceeded to rest a hand on my thigh comfortably. I flushed without warning and slapped his hand away, giving him another glare. He just shrugged, and that stupid smirk appeared again. I folded my arms again, sucking my teeth with my tongue in annoyance. Sighing inwardly, I thought, well, this should be interesting. I wandered around the numerous tables, looking for my pink-clad red-haired sister. Most were already filled with people, and they watched me back. I ignored them. Even though I thought Blossom had been overreacting earlier, I didn't blame her. People always stared at us when we went out in public, even when we did such things such as grocery shopping or going to school. You'd think we would be used to all the attention by now. I slowed my pace when I started passing by the deserted tables along the wall. I stopped at one of them, scowling in disgust. There was gum all over the edges, and chunks of the top were scratched up and dented. To say the least, they were gross. Damn. I thought, shaking my head. Abruptly, my thoughts were interrupted when I sensed someone behind me. The fine hairs on my arm stood up, and I spun around. Before I could see who the stranger was, my back was thrown against the wall behind me. The disgusting tables didn't stand a chance against the force, and they scattered as if they were papers flying off of a desk. I looked at my attacker, and two emerald green eyes curtained with black fringe stared back. I would know those green eyes anywhere. Let me go, Butch. I snarled and I felt my face crumple into a fierce scowl. He smirked at me mockingly, and the hand that was pressing my shoulder to the wall came up to my chin. He held it harshly, forcing me to look him in the eye. I bared my teeth. Not a chance, Spitfire. His lips stayed curled into a grin. Besides, 
I like this position. Don't you? With this, he twisted his lower half to brush my hip suggestively. My eyes flew open wider. I instinctively moved my leg to kick him hard in the nuts, but his legs trapped mine securely. This movement made us even closer, uncomfortably closer. I lifted my arms, intending to knot my fingers in his hair and yank his head backward so I could create space between us, but he slammed his other long arm across my torso again, locking my arms back to my sides. My back hit against the wall again with a slam. You son of a bitch, I murmured, grinding my teeth together, trembling. My face burned. You have five seconds to let me go before you're in a world of pain. I swear, I wanted to murder him. Screw the plan, this guy was dead. Butch watched me for a moment, his expression full of amusement. Then, something flickered across his eyes, and he lowered his face to my temple. His breath was hot, and it smoldered against my skin. I shrunk away, but for some reason I couldn't fathom, his unrelenting proximity seared into me. Part of me felt like running away, but not because I was scared. Buttercup Utonium running away. Ha! It was laughable. But where did the feeling come from in the first place? Then, he brushed his lips against my ear. Completely unable to stop them, goosebumps rose on my skin. Make me, he breathed out, and his tongue slid across my earlobe. I stood off towards the side of the dance floor, watching the dancers nervously. I tugged on my ponytails. Where were Blossom and Buttercup? Were they okay? It had been at least twenty minutes, and I hadn't heard from either of them. I had the sinking feeling that something had gone wrong. I wanted to know if my feelings were right, but, what if I found them and endangered them even more? Or, on the way there, what if I got myself in the same situation? I shook that thought away. So what if I got in trouble? If I could help my sisters, it would be alright if I had to be the sacrifice. Determined, I pulled out my light blue cell. This way would probably be better for all of us. I carefully began to type my message. Where are you guys? Are you Dash? My message remained incomplete, because a stranger behind me wrapped their arms around me. Their touch was secure but gentle. They rested their chin on top of my head. I snapped my phone shut, and my nerves jangled. I turned to face this newcomer, my breathing unsteady. No. It couldn't be. But of course it was. Boomer. I shook my head at him, not comprehending. What was he doing? Why was he, what was going on? Boomer smiled at my disbelief. At the sight of his smile, my shock grew. Hey there, princess. His voice was gentle. He brushed loose strands of hair from my face. His touch added another unexpected shock, and reflexively, I slapped his hand away. I turned my face away from him, willing his presence to go away if I ignored him enough. What are you doing? When I said this, I tried to sound menacing. I knew it didn't come out that way at all. It was too shocking, too breathless sounding. I felt my eyes widen with each anxiety-filled breath. I knew that he was stronger than me. I could take him by myself in normal circumstances, but dressed like I was now. Not a chance. And there were so many innocent people here that could get hurt. 
Are you all right? I heard him ask. Jolting with surprise, I faced him again. His eyebrows were drawn together in a worried expression, and he reached his hand to touch me again. I jerked back automatically, then wondered why I had. His expression and stance weren't threatening at all. It didn't look like he was attacking me. I frowned, unsure and confused. Boomer stayed still for a few moments, cautious, then he put his hand gently on the side of my arm. I let him, but his touch burned. For reasons I didn't quite understand, I felt self-conscious. I swallowed hard and looked away from him once again. When he spoke, his tone was still soft. Bubbles, please trust me. I know it sounds weird, but tonight I want to get to know you better. He paused, lifting my chin with gentle fingers so I would look at him. Really? I hesitantly looked into his eyes. Fear still washed over me. But when I watched unguarded emotions swimming in his azure eyes, something clicked inside of me. I wasn't sure what it was, but suddenly, I was curious. I was uncertain, but very inquisitive. I suddenly wanted to experience those emotions, to know them. It was as if some sort of magnet was switched on, and I was drawn to him. Experimentally, I leaned into his touch. Something inside of me yelled at me to do otherwise, but I couldn't stop. Instead of his usual cold, venomous touch, this was warm. Inviting. He smiled at me again. I stared at him. I wasn't used to seeing him actually smile. In fact, I had never seen him smile like that. Ever. It was so, warm. His hands remained touching my arm and chin, and it felt strange, really strange. But his scent invaded my senses, and for some reason, I couldn't pull away. Chapter 4, New Discoveries It turned out, getting the truth out of him proved to be harder than I thought. I played along with his little game of deception, and he ended up starting a semi-normal conversation between us. It started out with our siblings, and eased onto the subject of school. At some point, he mentioned that he and his brothers didn't go to school. This brought genuine astonishment out of me. You don't go to school. He smirked at me, but it wasn't exactly smug. Could you imagine how people would react to us going to an average high school? Least of all Townsville High. I shrugged. I hadn't really thought of that. It would probably be chaotic. Plus, I'd feel horrible for the kids that had to see them every day. I pictured him at my high school, sitting among all the regular students in class, and I just couldn't do it. The thought was nearly comical. I asked, shaking my head, then, how do you know, things. You don't sound uneducated. I bit my tongue as soon as I realized I had inadvertently given him a compliment. I couldn't help it, it was in my nature to be nice and polite to someone I was talking to. I wasn't used to having conversations with villains, because naturally, I would always be too busy kicking their butt to talk to them. Brick seemed to smother a smile that resulted from my compliment. I guess we learned all that we know now from the internet and books. And him taught us how to read when we were little. I nodded, pretending to not look at all disturbed by his last comment. Him taught them. I forced back the shudder that threatened to run up my spine. Well, him did seem to father them, as did Mojo most of the time. 
so I suppose that made sense, him wouldn't want uneducated teenage boys working for him. Brick noticed my reaction anyway, and he laughed. I snapped my eyes back toward him. He was laughing. No. Not the maniacal, stereotypical villain, lightning-inducing cackle that I had become accustomed to hearing. This was genuine, humor-filled laughter. It was masculine-sounding, but somehow musical. Not at all terrifying. It was, nice. It caught me so off guard, I couldn't look away. My mind faded into the haze again. Our conversation moved on to politics, and I found myself actually interested in what he had to say. My conscience screamed at me, but my mind and body weren't connected again. My mind was determined to hold to my plan, determined to catch Brick in his ruse, but my body wouldn't listen. The result was a strange, foreign rush that I wasn't familiar with. It continued as I listened to his criticism of the mayor. Honestly, the mayor's not that bad as a person. It's just that Townsville had much better mayors before, and I think we'd be better off without him, you know. He can kinda be, incompetent. He glanced up at me after a moment of no response, and that was when I realized I had been staring at him. He seemed to realize it too, and the corner of his mouth curved upwards. I cleared my throat and blinked a few times, hoping to at least clear a little of the haze. An involuntary blush spread across my cheeks from embarrassment, and I cursed inwardly. I disagree. I paused to clear my throat again when my voice came out foggy. I think that because of the mayor, our city has moved forward, more so than with the mayor's Townsville has had before. He leaned forward, and his eyes narrowed in playful challenge. Really? His smirk grew. How so? I scoffed. How so? What about the whole drought ordeal of 2002? I believe the mayor handled that very well. His plan to get rid of the drought worked perfectly, and it was gone within a year. Brick rolled his eyes, conceding my point. Yeah, yeah. But the man only does so well because of that assistant of his. She's the one who runs this city, not him. She should run for mayor in the next election. What's her name again? Mrs. Bellum. Ms. Bellum. I corrected him. Sarah's her first name. Ah, that's right. He rubbed the tip of his chin in thought. She's hot. The pulse of feelings I felt after he said that was a strange mix of disdain, skepticism, and something else I couldn't pinpoint. It surprised me. I looked at him in contempt. She's in her early forties. I seriously doubt she has interest in teenage boys. Not to mention a villain. He brought one shoulder up and dropped it in a half-shrug. You never know. Maybe she's a cougar. I snorted, rolling my eyes. Oh, I'm so sure. I swirled the liquid left in my glass with one of the straws the bartender had quickly given to us a while earlier. I watched the liquid twister form in my drink, trying to stifle the strange mix of feelings I had. Where had they come from, anyway? I wasn't even supposed to be actually talking to him, I was supposed to be acting. When did the acting stop? Brick said, never say never. Then he added, besides, I have a thing for redheads. His tone sounded suggestive, and I glanced up at his face again. He was looking at me too, and all humor was gone from his face. 
There was a quiet, interesting light in his eyes. Almost like, interest. No. That couldn't be right. I must have misinterpreted it. What he'd said, however, had caught me off guard again. I froze, both my mind and body numb. How was I supposed to react when he said stuff like that? In the end, thankfully, my mind won. I scoffed again. Keep dreaming. My voice hadn't held as much venom as I wanted it to, and it came out as a mumble. He laughed at my words, and my eyes locked on him again, unable to look away. This was beginning to be a lot harder than I had planned. Before my hazy mind could comprehend it, his tongue slid down to the sensitive part of my neck. Confusion drowned me, stifling the air in my lungs. I absolutely loathe him. No question about it, I hated him with all I had. But my heart raced, my temperature rose, and I shook with excitement, and I couldn't stop him no matter how much I wanted to. My body screamed to let him continue. He paused for a moment, his hot breath washing over my skin, and without warning, his teeth clamped down on the skin on my collarbone. My breathing hitched through my teeth in pain, but I didn't make a noise. God, what was wrong with me? In my mind, I knew I had to stop what was happening. It was wrong. So wrong. Disgustingly wrong. His lips pressed to the skin he had so cruelly bit, and they curled smugly. He chuckled once, and it was saturated in arrogance. This was enough to snap me out of it for a moment, and I was abruptly yanked from my state of passion. I opened my mouth to shout at him, but when I made the move, his tongue slipped out of his mouth again, soothing the wound he made. A gasp came out of my mouth instead, and if I had been in a normal state, I would have cursed aloud for letting it slip. My eyes squeezed shut. His lips first brushed against the skin in a whisper of a touch, then they sucked roughly and hungrily. One of my hands shoved through his hair, tangling through it. And for an honest, puzzling moment, I thought that maybe I actually didn't want him to stop. Then, I heard a distant, familiar voice. Buttercup. My eyes snapped open again. They searched for the source of the voice, but after a moment of searching, I didn't find them. I mentally shrugged it off. Maybe it had been my imagination. Then, I realized I was back again. The fiery haze had left the inside of my head, and with it came sharp clarity of what I had been doing for the past five minutes. My eyes shot downward to Butch, whose hair my fingers were still invading, and he hadn't seemed to hear anything. I gingerly removed my fingers from his hair, grimaced at them, and before he could react, I brought my leg back and swung it directly at his family jewels. A sharp grunt came from his throat on impact, and he toppled over. He buried his face into the floor, in a fetal position, and the hard surface stifled his strained groans of pain. His voice was muffled when he said, Okay. All right. I should have expected that. Damn right he should have. I smiled to myself in satisfaction and bent down to look him in the eye. What? Are. Are you here? I asked, keeping my tone low. I kept a fierce glare on my face to distract myself from the immense disgust I felt from remembering what had happened seconds earlier. I hawked a wad of spit from my mouth, propelling it a few feet away from me. Butch grit his teeth at me at first, then he shook his head. Gross.
Girls aren't supposed to spit. I rolled my eyes at his inane comment, stood upright and yanked the front of his hoodie, dragging him up with me. Answer the damn question. I made sure to make my voice sound threatening so there was no way to resist my demand. He grit his teeth again, wrestling the collar of his hoodie away from my hand. Fine. You're not gonna believe me, though, he said this in a slightly challenging way, and I waited for him to continue impatiently. I tapped my foot. Okay, okay. We're here cause we want to be here. I waited for more, my face blank. My foot began tapping again. No, seriously, he paused, his eyes snapping to my foot. Annoyance flashed across his face. Stop tapping your foot. I can do whatever the hell I want with my foot, I countered. Now really, why are you here? He sighed. I told you that you wouldn't believe me. I paused, and my foot stopped abruptly. Wait. So, you're trying to tell me that's actually why you're here? Bullshit. Butch threw his hands up in exasperation. Yes. It is. Do you really think this is some sort of plan? Mojo wouldn't come up with a plan that stupid. Somehow, I couldn't argue with that. When Mojo actually came up with a plan, it was usually only once every few months, but it was almost always unnecessarily complicated. He continued without my response. And we were just trying to get a break from you brats. The sudden insult threw me out of my thoughts, and my anger flared without warning. What was that? I shot out. He continued again as if I hadn't said anything. So we decided to come here tonight. But look what happens. His look of disdain became fiercer, his green eyes piercing. You follow us here anyway. My jaw hung open in disbelief. Where did this come from? This dick was trying to pin this all on us. As if we were stalking them. I could feel the anger dangerously bubbling inside me, about to erupt. My hands clenched into fists. Excuse you. I bellowed, and the loud song that was currently playing had no chance against my voice. No. We were here way before you showed up. What the hell are you talking about, dipshit? My fists were aching to break his nose now, and I swung one at his face. I let out an enraged growl as it flew through the air, but in one swift motion, he captured my fist in his and wrapped his arm around the small of my back. I went slack-jawed, and confusion and bewilderment swept through me again, replacing the rage as he lowered his face closer to mine. Butch's expression went from hostile to amusement in a second. Okay, okay. I'll stop. I can't help riling you up sometimes. You know, he paused. His voice was barely a rumbling whisper, and the sound of it sent chills through me. Finally, he continued, you're so adorable when you're mad. A strange, intense burning seared from behind my ribcage, spread to my face all the way to my scalp, and my temperature rose again. What the hell was wrong with me? Hey, um, where are we going? I asked Boomer in a soft, careful voice. It had been at least forty minutes, but it still felt so weird to be in such an, intimate setting with him. It almost drove me away, but the strange pulling kept me with him. He looked back at me and gave me a comforting smile. I returned the smile hesitantly. It's alright, 
trust me. He squeezed my hand, then continued walking up the flight of stairs. I bit my lip and glanced around. I couldn't see much in the narrow hallway, since it was so dark. There was a faint light coming from the top of the stairs, which was still a pretty long way up. Finally, we reached the top. Okay, close your eyes. He lightly put a hand over my eyes, just in case I decided to peek. I didn't object, but in my head I hoped he wasn't smudging the eye makeup I had so carefully applied for tonight. I heard the creak of a door opening and immediately I was greeted by a crisp, cool, late-night spring breeze. I gasped silently at the sudden contact. All right, now, open them. He took his hands off of my eyes, and I gasped again, this time in awe. He had taken me to the rooftop of the building. There was a beautiful full moon that night, and you could see the city lights and stars clearly. Now that I looked closer, stars speckled the sky like the sparkly craft powder I used as a kid. The word beautiful just wouldn't cover it. I clasped my hands together. Wow, I managed to spit the word out, breaking through the wall of speechlessness. I turned to Boomer, who was already looking at me. This is, so beautiful. Thank you. He smiled one of those heart-wrenching smiles, and my breathing heaved. My heart beat against my ribcage, and I suddenly felt a strange, intense insecurity. Where had that come from? I was hardly ever insecure about most things. I hoped it wasn't what I feared. As hard as I fought to hide it, my cheeks flushed, and I turned away from him, facing the nightlit city again. I tugged on the ends of my pigtails as my hands shook. I closed my eyes in embarrassment, I scowled inwardly. I knew even though I didn't want to admit it, I couldn't fight this as long as I was around him like this. I knew that the attraction I had to him was so immense, I couldn't just ignore it. It had always been there, though. And I couldn't believe I was reacting so strongly to him, but I couldn't help it. He just made me feel this way. I was. Usually able to stifle it for battles, but now that I was there with him in a normal, casual situation, it had begun to surface again. But, growing up, I had learned to fear him as well. I wasn't really afraid when I was five, six, or even ten. But when we all got older, the rowdy rough boys got bigger, stronger, and more intimidating. We could still beat them, but we had to be extra swift and crafty. Now, they had such great strength that they could destroy us if we let our guard down. Thinking about that again made a shudder run down my spine. They truly were our greatest enemies, except for him. And sometimes Mojo, when he tried hard enough. But we were so evenly matched with the boys, it made them even tougher to beat. Suddenly, I felt his hand on my shoulder. It startled me, especially after the course my thoughts had taken. I jumped, and an audible, unintentional whimper escaped from my lips. I bit my lip and turned to look at Boomer. He seemed very worried, but taken aback and cautious at the same time. Bubbles, are you? He hesitated, and he turned his eyes from me as if he were ashamed. He swallowed hard before he continued, are you still afraid of me? My eyes widened, but I said nothing and turned back around. I still was, after all. Of course it wouldn't go away in one night. How could I have trusted him so easily? I would be a fool. 
Bubbles. He whispered, taking a step towards me. I turned back around hesitantly, but my eyes didn't meet his. He carefully took another step towards me, and without warning, wrapped his arms around me. His right hand held the back of my head while his thumb caressed my ear, and his warm breath tickled my temple as he whispered, Please don't be afraid. Chapter 5, Unveiled Part 1 We continued having conversation, and even though on the outside I didn't want to admit it, it felt nice. Brick truly was intelligent, more so than I gave him credit for before. It made the fact that he mostly self-taught himself and his brothers more impressive. And it was nice to talk to someone that I shared intellect with. That's the only reason why I, for lack of a better word, enjoyed talking to him. The only reason. I'd keep telling myself that. At one point, we somehow began talking about the opposite sex. Some loose strands of hair fell in my face as I dipped my head down to take a sip of my drink, and as I reached to tuck them behind my ear, to my blatant surprise, Brick did too. His fingertips brushed against my cheek as they passed. I jerked away from his touch in surprise and shock, and a gasp escaped my lips. What the hell had just happened? I stared at him, and my eyes were wider past the point of being casual. He stared back, and red met pale pink again. I read his face for a moment, and he looked like he was anticipating my reaction. I tried to gather my thoughts enough to think of some reply, but he spoke before I could think of anything good. Sorry. That was, crossing the line. His voice had a sudden softness to it that I didn't understand. Had I not been listening so carefully, I might have had to strain to hear him over the pulsating music. And he, apologized. To me. I didn't understand at all. This was way too much shock for one night. I remained frozen, unable to blink. I just stared at him. He continued to stare back, unknown emotions flickering across his features. One emotion that I could decipher, though, was uneasiness. Respond. My conscience told me. Respond with something. I tried to blink myself out of the shock. I also attempted to speak, but all I could make come out of my mouth was, uh, and, um. The uneasiness from Brick's face vanished, and seemingly on impulse, took my hand in his for the second time that night. My bewilderment grew, and my gaze flickered to our hands. What in the world was he doing? Confusion had flooded my mind so much by now that I was beginning to feel overwhelmed. Blossom. His voice sounded significantly deeper. My eyes snapped up to his again, and they were fixated on mine. Somehow, though, this time it wasn't awkward for me. The fact that it wasn't awkward almost scared me. He continued, all humor and uncertainty gone from his face. I can tell that you really didn't take me seriously when I told you there was no plan. I felt the fine hairs on the back of my neck raise, and I froze. Damn it. I really hadn't fooled him at all. I suddenly felt defensive and tried to yank my hand out of his grasp, but he tightened his hand around mine slightly. I stared down at our hands again. Let go of me. I murmured this, but I didn't lift my eyes to meet his. He spoke again in an even softer voice. Blossom. The way he said my name was kind of like how a husband would say his wife's name while they were in a spat. Gentle yet chiding. 
Anger swelled into my head, and I looked at him again. How dare you speak to me that way? As if I were a child, or something. It felt condescending. His face held emotions I wasn't familiar with seeing on his face. They were unrecognizable to me at first. I stood on my feet, telling him again, let. Go. I clenched my teeth together. This was strange, too strange. I had to get out. I took a step away from him, but he pulled me back towards him, even closer than before. He kept his hand tight around mine. Blossom, please. His voice was full of concern this time, and it just stirred my confusion up more. I continued my attempts at escaping. Why are you talking to me like that? My tone sounded just as astonished and bewildered as I felt. I tried tugging my hand away from him even harsher, but I failed once more. He then moved in front of me, making the distance between us shrink. I tried to move backward, but to my great dismay, my back hit the counter. I scowled, and after he finally let go of my hand, he put his muscular arms on either side of me so I couldn't evade him. Somehow, though, it didn't feel threatening. I got the distinct feeling that he would let me leave if I tried this time, and that this stance was more out of desperation than anger. Blossom. His tone was louder now, but more steely. His brow was furrowed, but not in the intimidating villain way. He actually seemed frustrated. Please, just hear me out. Please. Oh, this had to be good. I folded my arms and began tapping my foot, waiting for another stupid explanation. I swallowed hard before he continued. I, really, desperately. I need you to trust me. His clear, crimson eyes clouded over as he said this. I watched in wonder for a moment, my burning anger fading for a moment. I soon snapped out of it. You want me to trust you? My tone was drenched in skepticism. Oh, okay, sure. I'll suddenly trust you after about an hour and a half of talking with you. Sarcasm now. Oh, sure. Why not? And, while I'm at it, I'll just ignore the past eleven years of battling you, throwing you in jail, and hating you. He broke our gaze, his eyes darkening even more. That's not Dash. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. Because that would completely make sense, right? After all, I'm just an idiotic teenage girl that will do anything for someone so handsome. His eyes snapped to my face again, and he seemed to be surprised. I didn't understand why he had that look on his face at first, and I rewound what I said to him. I stopped at the word, handsome. My jaw hung open, and I slapped a hand over my mouth. Had I just complimented him again? But I was doing so well with the sarcasm. Why did I have to ruin it with that? Slight amusement crossed his face now, and the cloudiness went away in his eyes. Did you just call me Dash? I cut him off again. I don't know what you're talking about. I tried to brush it off as if I had never said it, but my burning face probably gave me away. But you just said it. There was a smile in his voice. That's not the point, anyway. I shook my head, trying to eliminate the embarrassing flush in my cheeks. The point is, why would I ever have a reason to trust you? At my question, his smile faded slightly, and his eyes weren't as bright. 
You don't. I then recognized the slight smile on his face as rueful. I stared, uncomprehending. Okay, so he agreed with me, then. What was his point? Then, what's your point? I verbalized this aloud, and I felt my face crumple into a new, perturbed expression. He leaned closer to me, his face unmistakably serious again. Strangely, though, I didn't feel the need to shrink away from him. I may not deserve it, he paused, lowering his eyes to my lips, then up to my eyes again. His voice was low and soft. But I just want a chance. What an idiot. He wanted a chance. Why was he so bent on convincing me to trust him? Was his plan really that important? Why hadn't he given up already? I opened my mouth to reply with more sarcasm, but I was interrupted by the current song coming to an abrupt end. Silence, besides the roar of voices of everyone in the building, ensued then, and it was a weird contrast to the pulsating beat from before. Then, a loud, nearly manic voice boomed over the speaker's overhead. All right, everybody. Guess what time it is. It's, talent hour. Hooting and hollering resulted in that statement, along with nearly everyone clapping enthusiastically. I suddenly felt awkward standing there with brick looming over me and our faces much closer than I had realized. Especially now that there wasn't the music and dancers as a distraction. A few people began looking at us in curiosity. Brick hadn't seemed to notice at first, but I cleared my throat and gestured to our small audience. As soon as he spun to look at them, he backed away from me and went to sit down on his barstool again. I followed suit, and there was a brief awkward silence between us. This whole plan thing is getting weirder and weirder. I thought, and I stared Brick down again, who had already focused his attention on the band preparing to perform in the middle of the dance floor. It just doesn't make sense. And now, introducing our first act, the commercial-sounding voice boomed again. Please give a warm welcome to the band All or Nothing. Applause flooded the building, and soon an upbeat punk-pop song replaced it. They seemed to be a crowd favorite, and a few people started dancing. As good as the band was, I wasn't paying much attention. I couldn't stop looking at that complicated red-headed boy next to me. Currently, he was tapping his fingers on the counter to the beat of the song, watching the band intently. The usual scowl was back on his face. I studied him without really realizing that I was. He was a very complex person. I hadn't realized it at all before, but he really was. There were layers of him that I hadn't noticed before. Some layers were shallow, such as the angry, conniving villain that I was used to seeing. But, when I saw the depths of his eyes earlier, I saw something I had never seen before. The layers he kept hidden were far deeper than I ever imagined they could be. I watched the bright, flashing lights dance across his face, and there seemed to be some excitement present on his features. He must really like this band, I observed nonchalantly. A little voice in the back of my head spoke up again suddenly. Hmm. Interesting. One of the weirder things about me was that I often went to my conscience for guidance. I couldn't remember when I started doing so, but it had always been something I did. Well, you know what they say about geniuses. Maybe I was crazy after all. I mentally gaped at my conscience. What? It's just something I happened to notice, 
it's not like I care. I protested inwardly, more to myself than my conscience. My conscience laughed at me mockingly. Something you just happened to notice. Like, while you were staring at him for two straight minutes. I didn't respond. Instead, I tore my eyes away from Brick. I hadn't realized it had been two minutes already. Huh, oh dear. Blossom, Blossom. My conscience scared. How long have I known you? Your whole life, that's how long. And you're using this excuse again. But dash, I started, but I was quickly interrupted. You always make excuses for what you want to do, but you feel you shouldn't. Like for example, dancing. You've even somehow convinced me that it's bad. But you know what? It's not. It's not outrageous for the leader of the Powerpuff Girls to love dancing, okay? That's ridiculous. If it's something you love to do, honey, you need to let that shine. Don't just smother it. I stayed silent again, processing what she said. It was true, it was sort of ridiculous. But it wouldn't have been the first time I overreacted about something. Oh, and another thing. My conscience started again. Stop ignoring your feelings. I felt my forehead crumple. Feelings. Aha. Uh -huh. Honey, you have done this almost your whole life. What was she talking about? My conscience sighed. Remember Jake? Your first love at age nine. Yes, your first puppy love. Remember how you tried to push him away and avoid him after he told you he liked you? You didn't do this because you hated him or anything. You did it because you felt the same way, but didn't know how to express it. I did remember. But why was she giving me a history lesson? What did Jake have to do with anything? Hold on, I'm getting to it. Oh, and remember Trevor. Your first kiss at age 12. Remember how you liked him so much, but you avoided your feelings for the sake of Professor, because his heart was breaking seeing you grow up so fast. I felt a small ripple of guilt hit me, on behalf of Trevor and Professor. That had been very stressful, especially for a 12-year-old. Now, remember every time you would get a new crush or like someone else, you would get a twinge of guilt and you didn't know why. I tried to remember, and surprisingly, I did remember. But I just assumed I felt guilty because of Professor, he always did have trouble watching us grow up. No, no. That's not even close. I pouted inwardly for a moment. Well, then, what was it? Blossom, I know you know this. You just don't want to accept it. You have known Brick for eleven years, but you've been denying your feelings this whole time by shielding it with hatred. My conscience paused for a moment, waiting for my reaction. I really hoped that she wasn't heading in the direction that I saw coming. No. Don't say it. Don't you dare say it. You have feelings for Brick, Blossom. I frowned outwardly. Okay, I was definitely crazy. If my conscience wasn't making sense anymore, then there really was no hope for me. That was it. I really was insane. I suddenly sensed a slight difference in the room, and I snapped myself out of my thoughts. The song ended, and applause roared from the crowd. There was an abrupt announcement for a short intermission while the next act was preparing, and I felt Brick look at me again.
I kept my face turned away. Stupid, stupid conscience. Stupid insanity. That wasn't even a possibility. It was preposterous. He spoke again, making me glance at him in habit. Damn. They were wicked, weren't they? He said with that stupid, stunning, crooked smile that I couldn't help but stare at. Preposterous. Impossible. Unfathomable. But I still hadn't switched my gaze from him. And I couldn't. Prying myself out of Butch Jojo's arms was surprisingly hard, even for me. I took a few large steps back, the shock of being so close to him making my knees buckle. I knew it had been noticeable, so I ran my shaking hands through my unruly raven locks to steady them. I was really shaken up. I glowered at him. Though, at that moment, I really hoped my embarrassed red face hadn't given me away. You just don't know how to keep your hands to yourself, do you? I started, cocking an eyebrow. His returning grin was sheepish, and I felt my eyebrows raise at the sight of it. Ah, come on, sweet cheeks. I can't help that you're so damn irresistible. I folded my arms, hiding my fidgeting hands under my forearms. What was with all these sudden, compliments? Was that the word for it? That was what they were, wasn't it? Don't call me that. I tried to swallow back the shock clogging my throat. And what the hell do you mean by that? I cursed inwardly when my voice sounded feeble. Unfortunately for me, he noticed the new tone of my voice, and his smirk deepened. He took a step closer to me. I mean that I can't keep my hands off of you. He paused, putting his strong hands on my shoulders to prove his point, though I didn't know if he did it intentionally. My skin crackled with a strange sensation beneath his fingertips. One of his eyebrows raised in a challenging manner. Is that such a crime? Keep your paws off me, you ingrate. I was staring at him like he had leprosy. I shrugged his hand off me roughly. Strangely, he continued, ignoring my insult. And, I, his voice was suddenly clean of any humor and amusement, and his peacock green eyes left me no choice but to stare into them. There, I saw something hidden in his eyes that I never had seen before. It was foreign to me, so I kept my eyes there. I need to. He suddenly sighed, his hands dropping to his sides and his eyes leaving mine. Forget it, dumbass. He snapped, his demeaning voice back. He turned away slightly and stared down at his shoes. My shoulders slumped. For whatever reason, I suddenly felt abandoned. Never mind the fact that he had insulted me again. I ignored it, I was suddenly focused on something else. No, I interjected suddenly, even surprising myself. My tone wasn't even annoyed, like it probably should have been. What? What were you going to say? He glanced at me again, a surprised expression on his face. But the expression left as soon as it came and was replaced by a cold glare. What do you care, he replied, his arms folding across his muscled chest. Hell, I didn't even know why I cared. Morbid curiosity maybe. I wasn't sure myself. I shrugged. I just want to know. Butch raised an eyebrow and blew some robe long strands of jet black hair out of his right eye. I realized with slight disappointment that the glint I had seen in his eyes had disappeared again. 
Well, then, that's just too bad. I rolled my eyes. I was genuinely curious now. What was the reason he didn't want to tell me? Maybe if I got him to say it, I would see that strange glint again. What, was it stupid or something? He scoffed. None of your business. If you were about to say it to me, then yeah, it is my business. I smirked with satisfaction. I folded my arms without realizing I was mirroring him. He pretended to be impressed, along with a mocking gasp. Oh, did you come up with that one all by yourself? My smirk was gone. Don't mock me. I felt my lip curl. I can if I want to, brat. Stop changing the damn subject. You brought it up. I did not. Did too. Did not. Did too. Did no dash, I paused when I realized I was having an elementary school level argument. Oh my god, seriously? Are we seriously having this argument? I snarled at him. He stifled a laugh, quite childishly, I might add. Yeah, okay. I still say you did, butterbrat, he replied. I raised my eyebrows at him. Did you seriously just call me that? Butch just shrugged in response, a smug grin on his face. I rolled my eyes and huffed an aggravated sigh. God, you are so annoying. And stubborn. Just spit it out, already. I'm not stubborn. I just don't feel like it, he said, turning a chair around behind him and sitting down. Besides, look who's talking. You're the one who brought this whole conversation up. I cocked an eyebrow. I'm stubborn. I am not stubborn. Okay, so, I kind of was. But I wasn't going to admit it to him. Butch hooted a laugh outright, throwing his head back. Are you joking? You're the one who's kept this whole thing going. Whatever. I stepped closer to him, putting my hands on my hips. Not in a princess way, but in a don't mess with me way. I'm just determined. I added, narrowing my eyes. And, I swear, if you change the subject one more time. You'll what? He interrupted, leaning back in his seat with a wide smirk on his face. His tone mocked me once again. Beat me up. I shook my head slowly. He did not just go there. Suddenly, like a switch was turned on, I was angry once more. Fury boiled deep in my chest as I took another step forward. Butch watched me with challenge in his eyes as I neared him. Ah, am I making Whittle Buttercup mad? By now, my fists were already clenched and cheeks burned with anger. Rage blistered my insides. I put a leg on each side of the chair and grabbed the hood of his black slipknot hoodie harshly. I raised a fist to his face in warning. He looked up at me, face infuriatingly even with a calm smile on his face, as if I wasn't phasing him at all. Oh my god, Butch, I swear I'm going to, I growled this in his face, and I was too busy preparing myself to beat the shit out of him to feel our noses brush against each other. In fact, my anger was blinding me to the fact that our faces were less than two inches apart. Then, he spoke again. His eyes were half-lidded as he tilted his head back. Okay, tell you what, Spitfire. Fine. I'll tell you what I was gonna say. 
I heaved a sigh, but I wasn't anywhere near cooling off. God damn, it's about T.I. I was interrupted. But this time, instead of interrupting me by running his mouth, inevitably saying something so stupid that it made me even more angry, he closed the remaining space between us by pressing his lips to mine. I blinked rapidly, and I felt my cheeks flood with heat again. My head swirled with his warm and comforting scent, and the stars above us seemed to spin as I finally came to the realization. Boomer Jojo was holding me lovingly in his arms. Boomer. The boy that pulled on my pigtails for the fun of it when we were five years old, and the boy who sometimes beat me senseless in battles growing up. The boy who teased me growing up, the boy whom I learned to put a mask of hate towards, and the boy whom I learned to fear as well as secretly have feelings for, was holding me. I suddenly felt my knees going limp. Why was he doing this? This, wasn't the boomer I knew growing up. But yet again, I didn't really know the real him in the first place. The only side of him I saw was being the idiotic rowdy rough boy that had a love of stealing, fighting, and making me feel like crap. And more stealing. Hesitant to speak up at first after such an episode, I went ahead and cleared my throat. Uh, um, boomer. I started, my voice quiet. Boomer still held his arms around me and stroked my ear as he answered with a simple, hmm, and if it weren't almost right next to my ear, I probably wouldn't have heard it at all. I swallowed thickly so I could continue. R, are you feeling okay? His thumb paused mid-stroke and he pulled back from his embrace. Before I could stop it, a sigh of disappointment slipped out of me as his body heat and scent became more distant. He chuckled, but whether it was at my question or at my reaction to him moving away, I wasn't sure. He rested his forehead against mine, having to hunch down a bit lower to do so. Deep blue locked with icy blue for a silent moment, and a chill ran down my spine. He smiled softly, then said, Bubbles, I have to be honest with you. His smile began to fade, and he took his forehead off of mine to sit down on the cold cement ground. Bringing his knees up to his chest, he gazed out at the city. I watched the emotions scatter in his eyes, trying to decipher each individual one. I could tell there was longing in his eyes, and for what caused it, I wasn't sure. The rest I didn't recognize. I moved on to the rest of his face, and I noticed the way his long pale blonde hair swayed in front of his intense, piercing sapphire eyes, and how the bright moonlight reflected off of his semi-tanned skin, making him look almost cherubic. I had been completely transfixed on him when I realized that he hadn't continued. Part of me wanted to stare more, but the other part wanted to hear what he had to say. What do you mean? I took a few steps back to sit down next to him, but not too close in case he wanted some space. As soon as I was next to him, he snapped out of his gaze to glance at me. What do you have to be honest about? After looking away, he said, I don't exactly know how to put this. He cleared his throat awkwardly and dragged a hand through his locks. He looked up at me once again, his now half-lidded eyes lingering at my face. They held uncertainty, and his face was hesitant. Still intrigued with what he had to say, I wrapped my arms around my knees and rested my head on them. I gave him a small grin, silently encouraging him to go on. He scooted closer to me, which took me blatantly by surprise. He finally spoke up again. You know, I never thought I would tell you this, 
but. He paused, looking down at his black Chuck Taylors. He twiddled a darkened shoelace between his thumb and forefinger. The thought of you completely fearing me tears me up inside. My eyes shot open wider, and as soon as I opened my mouth to ask him what he meant, he continued. I know it sounds really stupid, but every time I face you in battle, it's, God, it's literally a living hell for me. When I was young, I never imagined that hurting you, verbally and physically, would one day hurt me, but it's freaking unbearable. He paused again, pressing his palms to his temples. I really don't mean any of it, Bubbles. All of the name-calling, all of the times I hurt you, I mean, except for when we were nine and younger. Then, all I cared about was fighting, causing havoc and proving myself to my brothers and him. But, now, it's like none of those matter to me anymore. I lost all of interest in that, the moment I fell for you. By now, my entire face was hot and tears fell freely from my eyes. My heart beat irregularly at his words. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Was it real? Was I asleep? Would I wake up at any moment, and would all of this evaporate the moment I became conscious? I remember the exact day that I did. After me and my brothers robbed a bank one day, you guys came. We were ten. Remember when you had braces? I think you had your braces tightened that day, so your mouth hurt. When we started fighting, I remember punching your mouth a lot and teasing you about it, damn, this is hard. He rubbed the back of his neck, embarrassment evident on his face and in his tone. He pushed his palms to his temples again. And, after I had kicked you pretty hard in the stomach, you toppled over and coughed out blood, then you looked up at me with pain in your eyes. Then, out of the blue, you said, why do you try so hard to impress them, and I knew immediately that you were talking about my brothers. I played dumb and said, what are you talking about, and you said, you don't have to be like this, I know how they treat you. I knew you were talking about the time where you dressed like me and pretended to be me, when we were six. Remember that? My idiot brothers didn't even realize it was you, and treated you as they would treat me. God, they're stupid. But then you said, I know what you go through every day. But you don't have to go on like this. I can help you. And then you smiled at me. A true genuine smile, even though you had blood on your chin and you were in so much pain, I just remember staring at you. You were so damn cute. Even clouded with pain, your bright blue eyes sparked. For the first time, I realized how kind-hearted you were, I hurt you countless times, and yet you were able to even look at me, let alone smile at me like that. After that, guilt flooded over me, but I pretended not to be affected. From then on, I saw you differently. He took his palms from his temples and looked back at me as I cried. I almost felt ashamed that he was watching me crumble before him, but I didn't care. Not anymore. He leaned over close to me and rested a hand on the opposite side of my face, gently brushing his lips against my ear. His warm breath raised goosebumps on my skin. I've tried to tell myself otherwise, and I've tried to avoid it, but I can't deny it anymore, Bubbles. Bringing his hands to both sides of my face and he briefly brushed his lips against mine. My breath caught in my chest, and my bones turned to jelly. I started to murmur, Boomer, but he captured my mouth with his. He kissed me gently, yet it had so much passion.
It was the only kind of passion that can result from being held in for six years. I couldn't believe this was happening. I let more tears roll down my cheeks as my heart pounded faster than I thought was possible. Fireworks exploded behind my eyelids, and after a few moments, he pulled away and kissed my right eyelid softly after wiping my tears away. I put my hands on top of his, trembling, and somehow, I wanted to be even closer to him than I already was. He whispered to me against my cheek. Please believe me, baby. I'm in love with you. As many times as I had imagined it, I never thought it would be that amazing to hear those five words from him. 